The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Main Street Vegan Show. So happy to have you with us today. You know, I was looking at the Google Analytics, those really technical, complicated charts that tell me who's listening to the show and how many people and where they are. And I do believe that I have shouted out that we have listeners in the UK and in Australia. But until I studied that Google page, I didn't realize how many of you guys are listening in Russia, Germany, Poland, France, Switzerland, Portugal, India? Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Thank you so much, everybody all over the world. Veganism is growing in such an incredibly breathtaking way. And to know that this is a global phenomenon makes me very, very happy indeed. I'll tell you something else that made me happy today. Oh, Goodness, it was more fun than I could have ever anticipated. You know what I did? I went rock climbing. I went rock climbing because I am supposed to be almost old. I don't know how it is in your country, but in America, when people get to be 65, then the government says, okay, you can be old now and you can stop working and just kind of, you know, wait until the next thing that happens. And we all know what that is. But not wanting to do what people expect or what I'm told, I figure why not make the final third just really the best act of all. So I thought, why don't I get myself a sport? I've never been a very sporty person, more like that kind of person who likes reading and watching films. But you know what I did today? I went rock 
climbing. Now, I went the kind that's called bouldering. I thought I was going to be tied with a rope. And the guy said, oh, no, that's the other kind. We do bouldering, no rope. And I'm like, well, okay, no rope. And you know what? It was so much fun because every every rock you have to think, oh, my gosh, well, here's a nice big rock. But then there's this other rock that's closer and more convenient. But by making that choice, is that going to be the preferable choice? And I finally figured out that people like me who have never just been rah-rah about exercise, it's because our brains need to be engaged too. And in climbing those walls with those large and tiny rocks, my brain got a workout and my forearms and my fingers, which kind of feel like string beans when you leave them out a long time. But I'm going to go back. So it's cool. And uh, thanks for letting me share that with you. We have a couple of fabulous guests today. They're both named Mark. I didn't plan that. But my first guest is a repeat. You loved him before. You'll love him again. And that is Dr. Mark Beckoff. He is Professor Emeritus of Ecology and Evolutionary Biology at the University of Colorado in Boulder. He's published 30 books, 30 more than 1,000 popular and scientific essays. His homepage is markbeckoff.com. Now, that is Mark with a C and Beckoff with no C and two Fs at the end. And his brand new book is Rewilding Our Hearts, Pathways of Compassion and Coexistence. Welcome, Mark Beckoff. Thanks. It's great to hear your story because... In my view, you were rewilding. Was that what that was? Well, then tell well, me yeah. what rewilding I mean, you know, One of the is. messages of my book is just getting outside, appreciating nature, and then feeling good about yourself, you know, not in an egoistic way, but more in a way that then motivates you, gives you energy to then work for other animals and our planet. So I I know people may have seen, thought we um, planned that, but I did not. <laughs> wow, that is so interesting. Now, are you from Colorado originally? Excuse me? Do you come from Colorado? Is that your birthplace? Did you grow up there? No, I've been here for a really long time, but I actually was born in Brooklyn. And, wow. And my parents tell me I used to rewild by watching dogs and squirrels and talking to them about the pigeons. So it's kind of been there forever, you know, Um, and they used to say that I was always minding animals when I was very young. I was always asking them what animals were thinking and feeling. So they were the least surprised of anybody to find out or see me sort of, you know, morph into what I do today. Yes. Well, I always think of people from Colorado as having such an understanding and appreciation of nature. And those of us who come to Manhattan on purpose seem to be at the other side of the spectrum. But <laughs> Well, so- you know, I always tell a story and it, it deals with Central Park. Whenever I come visit, I've got family in New York. <clears throat> I go to Central Park. And a couple of years ago, I was watching squirrels and these two kids came by they were give or take three to four years old with their mom and i was watching and one of you know one of the kids you know said what are you doing mister so i told him and you know his mom kind of wrote it off and said oh they're just squirrels and i said no 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 they're mammals like i said do you live with a dog 
Yeah. So I said, well, they're mammals like a dog. And really within five minutes, I had these two young budding ethologists <laughs> watching squirrels. And I said, now, when you come next time, make sure you tell your mother that you want to take time to watch the birds and the squirrels. So that was so that was kind of, you know, my message to them in terms of rewilding of, you know, how easy it is to do. I mean, I've got people writing me, telling me that somebody built a rooftop garden somewhere in Brooklyn, and all of a sudden they became bee experts. So it's just so easy to do. I love that because I guess that really is our our natural state. Now, you're kind of unusual among the ethologists. I know a couple of you who are vegan and who identify as animal rights proponents, Mm-hmm. What do you make of people who can devote their lives to studying animals, but who don't have a problem eating them? It's something that I've always, well, I've questioned for a really long time. And, you know, it's that split. You know, people tell me they love animals and then they eat them and they harm them. And I always say, I'm glad they don't love me. And in a more serious way, I think it's something we really need to, you know, pay attention to is how can people continue to do the to do the nasty things they do to other animals and yet profess that they love them. And, you know, as a researcher, I've been really concerned with the fact that we learn so much about the cognitive and emotional lives of animals and don't factor that into how they're treated. And the same with food animals. I mean, in all honesty, it just it blows my mind. I guess I'm just, you know, being honest. But there's good people out there. There's smart people out there. They live with a lot of uh, inconsistencies, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so I always feel my goal is never to put it in their face because no one likes that, but to ask hard questions and step out, you know, have people step out of their comfort zones. And recently I've been talking to a lot of guys. You, you rock climb, and I'm – I'm an excessive compulsive cyclist because I used to race bikes and I'll still ride sometimes in the summer 250 or 300 miles a week and I have plenty of time with a lot of people and plenty of time alone and I'm asking my friends now and I'm getting some really good dialogue of what would it take for you to go veggie, what would it take for you to go vegan, you know, knowing what you do about their emotions and their feelings, um, you know, knowing what you do about um, ecological environmental destruction due to factory farms. And, you know, I'm getting some interesting answers and, you know, and at least the people are thinking about it. That's, that's, that's all we can do, you know, is put it out there and then hope people will see the light and make the changes on their own. Well, that's a beautiful plan to just ask people what it would take. A friend of mine asked uh, one of the physicians who is on the other side, one of these, you know, low carb and eat animals kind of doctors, what would it take for, for you to go vegan? And he said, well, if I were diagnosed with heart disease, then I would go vegan. And it's so interesting why why he'd have to wait if he yeah. recognizes that that would be the answer to that. One of my friends actually said this week if he had really bad blood tests. I mean, he's not a huge meat eater anyway, but if if you know he went and got a really bad blood test, so it was a health reason, 
And I, you know, he said, well, you probably think I'm kind of, you know, nasty and all that because I'm not appealing to ethics. And I said, no, I mean, he happens to be a great father. He's a real philanthropist. And I said, no, you know, I don't think you're a bad person. I really want to know because, you know, one of the things that always surprises me is how do people deny what they're doing, especially, you know, to animals on factory farms, eating animals who are, you know, reared otherwise for, you know, as food animals, and how do they deny climate change? And so a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to a woman, and she and I just got on this discussion of the sort of what would it take argument. And I've really found that to be, you know, it's a great entry into people not to put them on the defensive, like, you know, telling people, oh, you do this and you're a bad person, (laughs) you know, they'll shut the door on you. But people like to be asked questions. And so that's kind of my sort of new thing of, you know, what would it take for you to stop eating animals and animal products? And like I said, you know, I'm getting some pretty interesting answers. Oh, I, I love that. That That's brilliant. And and your book looks absolutely fabulous. The book is Rewilding Our Hearts, Building Pathways of Compassion and Coexistence. And you can find that wherever books are sold. Now, I know that it's usually some bright young thing at the publishing house that writes the stuff that they put on Amazon. But there is a phrase here that's so lovely, so I don't know if that's yours or somebody at New World Library, but it says, uh-huh. Rewilding Our Hearts invites readers to do the essential work of becoming re-enchanted with the world. My gosh, how important is that? Yep. Um, that was po- that was all of us. <laughs> um, uh, it, it was. I mean, the notion of being... Re, you know, you can reconnect, but reconnect doesn't necessarily mean bond with or become enchanted with. And so I, I really like that phrase, you know, that you just, you're re-enchanted. We're, um, I like to say we're undoing the unwilding that comes during education. I mean, no matter where you grow up, at some level you are being unwilded. I mean, I know a lot of kids out here in Boulder who go to school and they're outside all the time. So they're being unwilded less perhaps and, you know, kids living in big cities. But the real thing is not only just reconnecting, but really being re-enchanted, um, you know, just, I don't know, being in awe. You know, if, if I, you know, in the book I say, if you're not in awe, you're really missing something because we really live in a magnificent world. And, you know, <laughs> I, can't, I could go on and on, but, you know, we live in a fascinating world and humans are fascinating mammals and we do wonderful things and we do nasty things, but it would be wrong. You know, a lot of people just get really down on humans and say, oh, we're just a total, you know, we're just a total mess. No, we're not. Um, I know you meet people and I meet people worldwide who are doing wonderful things for the planet. So, you know, the other side is just being positive. Even if you see things you don't like, being positive and know that you can still make a change and, and, oh. help, other, and help other people make changes. 
I like you so much. I feel like every time you have a new book, I only have one of these short segments available and I could talk to you forever. So let's figure out how we can do something for a much longer period of time. I'm going to be out in um, Denver for the Colorado Veg Fest in June. I don't know if uh, you're going to be there, but it sure would be cool to, you know, sit down I for a for you. I, I talked to last and I and I I'm usually not around when that happens, and I'm hoping to be around this summer, so we can definitely be in touch. And for your listeners, you know, that is just an amazing <coughs> veg fest. They get thousands of people coming in from all over. So I've been to a number of them, and it's it's a very wonderful affair. Yeah, it's a goodie. And if you're there, it'll be even better. Mark Beckoff, oh, thank you. <laughs> re- rewilding our hearts. Let's stay in touch. And everybody else, check out Mark's site. That's M-A-R-C-B-E-K-O-F-F dot com. Lots of wonderful stuff over there. And after a little tiny break, we will be back with nutrition guru and registered dietitian, Mark Rifkin. Stay with us. share the programs that inspire you most with audiences around the world that's easier than ever with mobile giving just text unity radio to 72727 and help us continue offering spiritual programs that change lives what if you could experience vibrant health help heal the planet And be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. Are you ready for deeper spiritual breakthroughs? Have you wondered how to apply spiritual principles to your everyday life in practical ways? Do you feel your soul is calling you to deeper purposes? Join Reverend Galen McDowell live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central for Truth Transforms, a discussion on how God within you, as you, is the power to transform your life. If you really believe that consciousness determines your experiences and that you are an individualized expression of God, join us as we help awaken and transform the consciousness of humanity. 
we will discuss through lecture, live interviews, and call-in questions, spiritual healing, prayer, prosperity, forgiveness, new thought views about eternal life, and much more. The world is waiting for your truth transformation, only on Unity Online Radio. listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Welcome back. Pleasure to have you. As I bring on our next guest, um, Mark Rifkin, registered dietitian, you can call in with your nutrition questions. If you happen to be listening live, the toll-free number is 888-558-6489. That's 888-558-6489. If you are outside the continental United States, you can call 816 816- Three four seven five five one nine. That's eight one six three four seven fifty five nineteen, and you'll get a chance to ask your questions of Mark Rifkin. Mark is a master's degree and RD dietitian, vegan almost thirty years. Through his website, balancednutritiononline.com, he provides support for healthy vegan diets with his innovative and practical webinars, meal plans, and topic-specific handouts. He leads two Facebook groups, Ask a Vegan Dietitian and Careers in Vegan slash Plant-Based Nutrition. Welcome, Mark. Uh, Victoria, it's such a pleasure to be here. Well, it is a pleasure for me. Because I've heard you over the years, and I think we've crossed paths and said hello, but we really got to talk last summer at at Vegetarian Summerfest, and you have such a fascinating take on things, and I love your desire to look into the science, look into what we know, and present that instead of what we wanted to say what it really seems to say, and I know that it changes as as uh, more study happens. But just to get started, tell the listeners who you are, how you got to be a dietitian, what led you to becoming vegan. Well, I'm in I'm in I'm in Baltimore, and um, I started as a vegetarian about um, well, vegetarian actually exactly thirty years ago. Um, as a result of a, of a class in college and uh, became a vegan about a year and a half later and uh, realized that um, some of the best ways to help people make this change are to literally guide them on the path. You simply cannot say, you know, meat is murder and then expect the average American to go off and implement that well with um, appropriate guidance, with, without appropriate guidance. So... Um, I concluded after some years of being an activist that uh, the, the best way I could help people make this change was to become a dietitian. And uh, so I went back to school, and here I am. I've been licensed as a dietitian of almost 10 years, and uh, I really feel like I'm doing more for the vegetarian-vegan movement than I ever did, quite frankly, as an activist, actually. 
Well, I can see that. And this is one thing I like about all kinds of, of vegan business. I mean, yours is obviously a profession. But whether somebody goes to school to get a professional degree to do something in this world or whether somebody starts a business, it's just a way to get the message out into the world in a way that a lot of people are more interested in hearing it than if it right. comes from somebody that they think of, oh, you know, bleeding heart. It's like, you yes. know, my heart bleeds, but it doesn't show because I want to get out here and get the work done. So I want to ask you right now, Mark, I just have to tell you, my mind is on this low carb thing that Uh-oh. seems to be everywhere. Um President Clinton was on Rachel Ray last week, and I know that the rumors have been around for months that he is no longer on his plant-based diet, but only last week did we hear him say it with his own mouth, and I get so frustrated, and I am beginning to see these schools. Now, I know in in the plant-based world, there are all sorts of little schools, and we'll talk about that, too. But out there in the big world that everybody sees, there's this kind of plant-based or more plant-based message on the one hand, and then there's this other, the wheat belly, the grain brain, the Dr. Hyman, which is just practically, oh, my gosh, don't eat a bowl of oatmeal or you will end up with Alzheimer's and um, metabolic syndrome. Please yes. help. Please shine some light on what's going on here. Well, like most um, like most cases that people bring to the media and to the public, there is some grain of truth, no pun intended. Um, refined carbohydrates, of course, are, were never healthy for the body. Um, and especially for the heart. And as we recently learned, say, in the last 10 or 20 years, what's healthy for the heart is healthy for the brain. So, therefore, the concerns about, uh, you know, refined carbohydrates, well, white pasta and white rice were never health foods. I'll agree with that. And this is where I think the whole anti-grain thing got started. Um, But to compare the carbs in... Um, white pasta to the carbs in beans and oatmeal and barley, I think would be a distinct stretch beyond the capacity of the evidence, quite frankly. So um, it's not to say that people should just eat um, whole grains even just at, with um, complete freedom and they eat as much as they want. Um, so thus my business name is Balanced Nutrition. Everything has a balance, even whole grains. Can you eat too much? Yes, I believe people can. Can you eat too little? Yeah, I think people can do that too. And of course, one of the concerns about the low-carb diet, even though some people do have success with it, and research shows that some people will actually experience improvements in blood parameters like glucose and triglycerides and cholesterol and their weight comes down, most people won't have that success. Most people are going to experience adverse changes to their blood parameters, adverse changes in weight. Um, so what I, what I recommend is a plate that's 50-25-25, which is 50% non-starchy vegetables, 25% whole grains, 25% good quality protein. So, um, so everything in its balance, in its place. And that, I think, is really balances the science of carbohydrates with um, 
with the practical application of where people need to apply it. You used an interesting phrase. It's a particular interest to me because it was one of the ones that Bill Clinton used when he said that his doctor had told him, well, two things. We'll get to the second one in a minute. But the first thing was that it was difficult for vegans to get good quality protein, which is telling me that Bill Clinton's doctor and you have a different definition of good quality protein. But I'm talking to you. What's good quality protein? (laughs) Yes. Well, um, I think, again, everybody brings something to the table, including Mark Hyman, um, who apparently has convinced Bill Clinton that good quality protein can only be obtained from animal sources. But I don't know. I, I have not seen any evidence to that effect. Um, the entire um, the preponderance of the evidence by far supports the concept that any mixed diet composing of a wide variety of food groups, wide variety of foods eaten throughout the day, will provide more than enough protein, which the body will mix as it needs to, to derive all of the, to meet all the protein needs that the body has. One doesn't need to eat complete proteins. The body will make them, assuming you eat a wide variety of foods and you eat enough calories. So, yeah, I I know some people want to make that claim that you need to eat complete protein, and vegans somehow are not getting it, I'd say show me the data. And And nobody has. Yeah, nobody (laughs) has the data. So um, now I haven't thoroughly read any any research that Mark Hyman has cited. Um, I think he's on the the right path with some aspects of of um, his position, but... Uh, to simply say that the vegans are not getting good quality protein, well, I mean, how can a vegan possibly be alive if they're not getting good quality protein? They should be protein malnourished at the very least. Right. Yeah, one, the case. one would wonder. Uh, and, yeah. and I would love to get him on the show maybe with one, one of our um, plant-based docs and just let them not go at each other but present their different sides just so that we all know what everybody's hearing out there. Now, the the good quality protein was one uh, uh, phrase that jumped out at me, but another one was very interesting. President Clinton said that his doctor had told him, it's harder for vegans to lose weight. Well, just today, (laughs) I was looking at an article about Beyonce's new meal delivery service. I was particularly interested in that because anybody that didn't catch the show last week, uh, the guest was Marco Borges, uh, Beyonce's trainer and uh, partner, I believe is my understanding, in this venture. So if you want to hear Marco, fabulous, fabulous guy. He'll get you so fit and make you so energized. Just uh, go there to the Unity site or iTunes and check that out. But anyway, I wanted to read about this meal delivery service and one of the articles had had found some of uh, uh, one of your colleagues uh, mark a woman named lisa moskowitz rd founder of something called the new york nutrition group and she gave all the standard reasons why being vegan might be terrible uh, uh protein uh, b12 zinc um vitamin d you know some other things but then she said, and it might be difficult to sustain weight. 
And it just seems to me that if somebody wants to eat animals, they're either going to tell you it's going to make you too skinny or make you too fat. What do you do with that? <laughs> I have to laugh. That's the first response. Um, well, so I would say any diet can be misapplied. Vegan, omnivore, paleo, whatever you want to do, any diet can be applied well or applied poorly. And if you're eating a poor quality diet, I don't care what you're eating, if you're not going to be healthy, period, end of story. So if your diet is not well balanced, if you're not eating enough calories, if you're not eating enough carbohydrates or protein or fruits and vegetables, you're not going to be healthy. And you may experience adverse changes in weight, whether that's increases or decreases. Yeah. Can you be an unhealthy vegan? Sure. Can do, Are there vegans out there who are heavy? Sure. Are there vegans underweight? Sure. But that doesn't mean that the vegan diet concept itself is flawed. It's the way that that person applied that diet that made it flawed. So if they're only eating, you know, if they're eating lunches that are primarily composed of kale and vegetables, that's not going to provide enough calories. But they, they need those carbohydrates. They need that uh, protein-dense food like beans or tofu at every meal. Um, so... Yeah, there there could be problems, and and there could be health consequences to how how well people apply this. And as I'm sure you might have heard, um, you know, there are lots of other ex-vegans who have blogged about their experience and why they chose not to be vegan any longer, and how they were experiencing health problems. And invariably, they didn't really consult anybody to guide them to how to do it well. They just decided that meat was the answer. And, you know, so basically uneducated people made an uneducated decision and, and then said, well, this is, this is, this is dangerous. You shouldn't do, you shouldn't be vegan. Yeah, it's so. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I I always think when I hear that, oh, I I was vegan and, you know, and something didn't feel right. And so I became unvegan and yet. Did everything always feel right when they ate meat? I mean, most people eat meat, and yep. everybody sometimes doesn't feel right. Yeah, it's, you know, unfortunately what we have is, is, is a, a state of widespread nutritional illiteracy. Oh, great Whether phrase. you're vegan, whether you're omnivore, you know, paleo, low-carb, whatever, people don't, the, most people don't understand what they're reading. They don't understand the food labels. They don't understand nutrition claims that are being made in social media, on, on, in print and broadcast. They are thoroughly confused and justifiably so. And part of the problem, in my, my opinion, not only do we have multiple experts out there, each of whom with a different opinion, but we're not even teaching the basics of nutrition in school. Forget meat and dairy and versus versus beans, but people don't even know what a carbohydrate is. People don't know what a protein is. They don't know what a fat is. And so we're attempting to educate people about fifth grade nutrition when they have not even completed first grade nutrition. You know, that is so interesting because it's very easy to get people to gullibly follow anybody who says something when they don't understand. I, I was listening to the uh, Grain Brain uh, author the other night online, and he made a statement that, that was just beyond the pale to me. 
He said the human body has no need for carbohydrate. It has need for protein. It has need for fat. So as someone just listening, that sounds like, oh, gosh, you know, I'd better just eat uh, meat and coconut oil. Right. Where, where would a phrase like that come from? Um, well, I suspect he may be drawing upon the experience of, uh, of a certain doctor named Atkins. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> who basically wanted people to go into a toxic state known as ketosis. And when a person is in ketosis, what they're essentially doing is they're making um, carbohydrates from fat. And that's why some people lose weight on a low-carb diet, is the, the body will make carbohydrates from fat. It's sort of like, um, it's sort of like asking, did you ever, ever have a cat and, and, and try to get it to go backwards? Cats don't want to go backwards. They will physically if you force it to, but the same thing here. You can make the body go backwards and convert fat into carbohydrate. It doesn't really want to do that. It really wants to get carbohydrates from food, but that's what Mr. Atkins is relying on, and that's what it appears that uh, Mr. Grainbrain is focused on. Um, he's trying to get the body to burn, car- burn fat for fuel. Mm-hmm. The body doesn't really want to do that. I can't imagine how frustrating it must be for you and, and some of the other dietitians who, who have gone into this in a scholarly way. You've devoted years to study. You do all kinds of continuing education. And then people just come up with these concepts, and they're all yep. over the media, and they sell millions of books. It's, yeah, everybody's got a theory. And, and, and for the most part, you know, everybody's, like I said, everybody is bringing something to the table. The problem is everybody has their own, shall we say, particular set of glasses, and they, shall we say, pre- pre- present the evidence in a certain way, and it makes the the relative the consumer reader think, oh well, this guy's got it made. I mean, he's presenting the evidence, and it says A, B, and C, and well, it makes sense to me, so I guess that's right. So this is what I'll do. And, and and we have that with within our own community as well. And I know you have also looked into that. We're going to get into that after the break. I'm speaking with registered dietitian Mark Rifkin. His site is balancednutritiononline.com. Couple of Facebook groups, Ask a Vegan Dietitian and Careers in Vegan slash Plant-Based Nutrition. I know I'm asked all the time, I, I really want to do this. I want to do it in a serious way. Where do I study? Do I need to go to school where I'm being told to tell people to eat meat and dairy? So I'm sure you answer those questions very thoroughly and wisely on that Facebook page. So anybody who's interested in that can take a look. Everybody else, do stay with us and we'll be back with more Main Street Vegan on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hello, listeners. Did you know we've gone mobile? That's right. Your favorite Unity Online Radio programs are available on your mobile device. Now you can take us with you wherever you go. Using apps from Live 365 or Stitcher, you can listen to Unity Online Radio live or on demand. To learn more, visit Unity Online Radio and click on Mobile Listening.
Is there a difference between the spiritual teachings you know and how you live your life? Does your day-to-day experience reflect what you truly value? Are you ready to receive your life and live the gift that you are? Join Janice Campbell, licensed Unity teacher, author, and coach each week as she shares inspiration and tools to help you identify and dissolve the limiting beliefs that prevent you from living the fullest expression of what you are. Talk with Janice live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Central on Receive Your Life, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for Main Street Vegan. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Welcome back, everybody. We are talking to Mark Rifkin, RD, BalancedNutritionOnline.com. Do take a look at that website. It is so thorough. There is so much great stuff over there. And one of the things that I was reading recently on, on Mark's site was a, a kind of um, defense of the term plant-based diet, which if you've listened to this show much, you know I don't like it. I've always felt like, oh, that's just for people who just don't have the guts to say they're vegan. But Mark (laughs) really explained it in, he made me think, and you may have noticed I've used the term probably more on this particular episode than ever before on the show. So one of the things, Mark, that you said was that you like the term because it focuses on what we do eat rather than on what we don't. So talk about that and also some other reasons why maybe it's not such a bad idea after all. Well, um, you, you might say vegetarian and veganism can be primarily defined by what we don't eat. It doesn't really describe what we do eat. And, of course, well, you could be a junk food vegan, and many people are. And... Um, it doesn't really imply anything uh, or indicate anything that's really strong about health. Now, of course, there are many reasons to be vegan, um, and some people are vegan solely for the ethics, and I can appreciate that. Um, That's where I started. But um, I think a plant-based concept brings in more people to the fold, number one, um, because the, the, the V word has become polarized. You tell somebody you're vegan and they take three steps back. Not that they think that you're weird, but they think that you're going to pounce all over them because of their meat-based diet. And that you're just going to launch into some tirade about how pigs are poorly treated on factory farms. and People don't want to hear it. But if you tell them that you're plant-based, that takes away some of that um, innate hostility, I think, that some people have toward the vegan concept. And brings more people into the fold and suggests, well, even if you don't go vegan, if you have one egg a week, you're still plant-based, in my opinion. Some people would disagree with that, but plant-based to me doesn't mean plant-exclusive, which is another And I guess, well, that's another term I like. I first heard that from Chef AJ, and I thought it was brilliant, if indeed one is plant-exclusive. Because I think that's what what always bothered me about plant-based. I mean, if all the people who ate meat went plant-based, what a wonderful world. But if it's just this kind of, um, you know, way to not really do it, and so often, you know, how people will, well, I I just, 
like the old, I'm vegetarian, but I eat fish. And then it became kind of, well, fish and then sometimes chicken. Right. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then pretty sometimes really a cheeseburger. Not. But again, plant based yeah. does kind of focus you back to, to the source. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think it's, again, I think the, the term vegan has become such a negative in mainstream circles um, that it's, it's almost a pejorative it's in some circles. It's almost, you know, I'm a vegan and I'm an, and I'm going to get in your face kind of. Oh, and that's, yeah, that, that's... that's the, <laughs> I think that's how a lot of meat eaters look at vegans. Uh-huh. You um, know, I suppose they do. I, I love it because it just seems like it, it, to me, it says kindness, but I guess it could also say kindness unless I don't like what you're doing. Right, and that's I think that's most the average American's experience is either they've met a vegan in a in, on the street in a protest, or they've read about it in major media, and oh well, it's one they're one of those people, and I don't want to you know I don't want to associate with them, so you know, so now vegans I think have this stereotype of well yeah we may be doing the right thing, but in some cases we're not really presenting it in a way that would appeal to the average American and the average, well, and some people take that, you know, in a very negative way. Yeah, I, I hear you. Now, one thing that we talked about last summer that I just found fascinating, and I mean, it's no secret that many people within the plant-based world seem to believe that olive oil is on par with pork rinds in yep being something to stay away from. And I believe that you found some research that seems to imply, you know what, that may not quite be it. What's your take on the oil controversy? Well, I was interested in this because so many people were were going into this um, no oil concept. And I've actually uh, met Dr. Esselstein at various speaking events that he's had over the years. And I was interested in the research, and I looked at the research in his book. And I actually found the studies that he cited, and um, the conclusion that one would draw from those studies is that one should not be swimming in oil, that is, using a large amount um, on the order of literally three or four tablespoons at a single meal. That's the only conclusion one can draw from the data he cites. But he took that data and said, well, if three to four tablespoons is bad, then anything, any oil is all bad all the time, any place, anywhere. You should not eat any of it. Well, I suppose different people look at the same data different ways, but um, there's no there's no evidence-based reason to conclude what he did, in my opinion. Now, you know, can you eat a no-oil diet and still be healthy? Sure, you can. Um, is it necessarily... Uh, going to provide a better health outcome? I doubt it. Could it, I think, generate more resistance on the part of omnivores who are exploring this option? I think it definitely will create resistance. The more we throw up what we call barriers in social change, the less people are likely to make that change and do it well. So let's not throw up a barrier where there doesn't need to be one. And let's create the idea that this diet is easy, it's practical, and you don't have to exclude 
certain foods because of one person's particular theory. So um, it's important also to note that, you know, shall we say, there's entire populations living in Italy on what we call the Mediterranean diet. And I found this one population that was published in a um, subject of an article and in Sicily. And they grow a lot of olives. They eat a lot of olive oil. And this one particular village in western Sicily has a distinctly large number of people over age 100, far beyond even the average number in Italy, which is a lot higher than the average number in the, in the United States. And this village in Sicily, with a large number of centenarians, none of the centenarians have any chronic disease. They're over age 100. They're fully functional. They have no chronic disease at all. They don't even have heart disease that one would typically associate with being over age 100. And they're eating a ton of olives and olive oil. Now, uh, exactly how much in grams, I don't know, but the, the research article used the word um, uh, uh, that they were using olive oil widely on a lot of their foods. So, um, again, can you overdo it? Sure, you can. Yeah, if you're swimming in olive oil, if you have you know four tablespoons of olive oil on your on your salad, I would say that's probably too much. Um, but to just make a blanket generalization based on studies that only used a large amount and say we should eat none. Um, that's, that's a huge stretch of logic. That, that is fascinating. Have you written about this anywhere? Is there some place somebody could go to get more information? Um, I have written about it briefly in, um, in my Facebook group called Ask a Vegan Dietitian. Um, I've also compiled a webinar about it and I actually have, um, um, images of the actual research pages showing the actual research cited by Esselstein and others who support the no oil concept. Um, and, and actually the, the latest, actually the latest concern I have is that as people make this change from say a typical American high grease diet to a forks over knives style diet, they may actually put themselves at risk of gallstones. Oh, Really? Yeah. That's that's new. So so we'll go to the the uh, Ask a Vegan Dietitian Facebook page and get more information there. Now you mentioned webinars. I know you do fabulous webinars, and, and I know you you do some for for people who are looking to go into the uh, dietetic profession. But for for the rest of us, for the lay people, what have you got? Well, my my primary webinar that I'm uh, that I want people to introduce myself with is titled Plant-Based Nutrition Uncomplicated. Ha-ha! <laughs> Let's strip away all the theories that you should only eat raw. No, you should only eat no oil. No carbs. <laughs> Let's cut to the basics. Let's simplify. Let's cut to the core of what makes a healthy plant-based diet. And that's what that webinar is focused on. Oh, that sounds great. And then, great. of course, that's... I have one for the people who are concerned about their carbohydrate intake, titled, Oh, Sugar, Sugar, How Do I Stop the Cravings? Aha! So if certain people are old enough, we <laughs> will, that will bring back uh, memories of a song from about 1965, I believe. I'm humming. <laughs> You're humming? Sugar, sugar, 
Oh, yeah. honey, honey. Yeah, yeah, I'm humming. I can't carry a tune, but I can hum. So we, so we go to your site, balancednutritiononline.com. And where .com. do we find the webinars? Under products and services. Oh, there it is. Products and services, webinars, webinar calendar. You guys, seriously, these are, are not expensive at all, and you will get so much great information. Seriously, seriously, love it. Now, speaking of great information, just when you were writing to me about what we would talk about on the show, you wrote something that needs to be published somewhere if it isn't already. You said a vegan diet is is not a guarantee of, of a healthy diet if it's based on vegan chicken, french fries, and carry-out Chinese, nor does it need to be an austere diet with no added sugar oils, or salts. These ingredients can be applied judiciously with significant enhancements to flavor and acceptability. And this is why you have a tagline for your business, good health through good flavor. Absolutely. That just sounds like the golden mean. (laughs) Yes, well, I think... uh Vegan food in general has this, again, this, this image, this perception that it's boring, bland, and tasteless. And who would, you know, personally, I don't want to eat food that's boring, bland, and tasteless either. But if people, say, for example, experience a black bean and sweet potato quesadilla, which is absolutely wonderful, or they make a butternut squash soup with coconut milk and curry and cinnamon, Ooh. or they make a lentil curry with apples, it's a world of flavor out there. And that is a world what, of flavor. Yes. And you've just that inspired me to go, go make dinner. Mark. Yeah, and Yes. <laughs> just, we're, our, our time is at. I can't believe how fast the time goes. You have been fabulous. Everybody go to balancenutritiononline.com. Get to know Mark. Check out those Facebook pages. Ask a Vegan Dietitian and uh, Careers in Vegan slash Plant-Based Nutrition. I know that Mark will be happy to answer your questions and share his expertise. I hope to see you this summer at uh, Vegetarian Summer Fest. Yes, Victoria, it's been such a pleasure to be on with you. I do plan to be at Summerfest. Yay! I plan to be at the AR Conference in D.C. in July. I hope to be at that one, too. We'll hang out. I will look forward to it. Okay, thank you so very much. And listeners, uh, next week, oh, we've got a wonderful animal person coming on. We are going to have Patrice from um, the Brave Birds. Uh, <laughs> Brave Birds online. She has an animal sanctuary in in Vermont that is called the Vine Sanctuary, and. You'll just you'll just love her. The woman is smart and she gets to the point. So please join us then. And in the meantime, God bless you lots and lots and eat your veggies. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates and inspires you on your vegan journey. 
This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. Have you heard about Dr. Tom Shepard's new program on Unity Online Radio? Tom Shepard, isn't he the Unity Magazine question and answer guy? Right. Well, they've actually turned him loose with a radio show, and I hear it's going to be pretty edgy. Edgy? Like what? Guest panelists and students from Unity Institute and Seminary, topics like abortion, gay marriage, war and peace, environmental issues, Islamic fundamentalism, universal health care, religion and politics, current events. Yeah, but they'll all be Unity people, right? Dr. Tom and his students will talk about the hard questions facing all people today, sometimes joined by rabbis, priests, liberal and conservative ministers, Buddhist monks, Baha'is, Hindus. And he's going to interview them on the program? Better. He's going to introduce a controversial topic and let students and special guests go for it. This could get explosive. Does he have guys in black shirts standing by to break up the fights? (laughs) If I know Dr. Tom, he will keep it both friendly and spirited. Whoa, I gotta hear this. When and where? The program is called Let's Talk About It, and it's on every Thursday at 9 a.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio. So let's talk about it. Definitely, let's. The world is full of voices, advertising, television, politics, colleagues, family, and friends. All are too happy to tell us how to live. In all of that noise, it's easy to miss the one voice that matters, your own soul. What would happen if you could hear that voice? Imagine the clarity, confidence, and courage that would be yours and the life you could create. Join Janet Connor, best-selling author of Writing Down Your Soul, The Lotus and the Lily, and Your Soul Wants Five Things, as she and her guests explore how to hear the call of the soul and create the soul-directed life. Live Thursday at 1 p.m. Central, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Go inside to find. Intuition is our spiritual GPS and the single best tool that we have for navigating our lives. I'm Victoria Shaw, and on my Intuitive Connection podcast, I will share with you the ways to connect with your intuition and awaken the gifts of your soul. In each episode, I'll draw on my own intuitive gifts and my training as an Ivy League trained counselor and psychologist to help support you in reaching your highest potential. Start listening now on Mind Body Spirit FM Podcast Network or wherever you find your podcasts. 